0: Greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Ryan Sales. Now, Ryan has had an interesting life, and he's been through some uh, things that uh, really, I think, informed uh, what he's brought to the table when it comes to uh, to writing his novels and uh, short stories. Uh, He's going to talk about his most recent book, It's ugly because it's personal, uh, which I've been fortunate enough to read an advanced copy of, and it's a kick in the gut, I'll tell you that. It grabs onto you and doesn't let go. But before we get to Ryan, I need to let you know that Wrong Place or Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, uh, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If you dig that, you can find out more at their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Books, take the journey with us. Uh, so let's talk to uh, Ryan Sales, who, uh, among other things, uh, is a former law enforcement officer. So we connected over that. Well, hey, Ryan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me on, Frank. I, I really appreciate it.
0: Uh, so you uh, have an interesting background, and I, I find myself saying that so often these days, uh, talking to, to, to authors that I, it's almost losing its meaning, but uh, it's once again quite true. Um, and, and I want to talk about all these books and, and, and short stories that you've written. Um, but I noticed in your bio, you, you, you say you live in the Midwest. What does that mean?
1: You know, that was probably my attempt to just be a, I don't know, I don't know, just uh, vague for for no reason. Uh, but like I live in I live in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. I was oh, I was born yeah. and raised here. Yeah, and uh, I, I lived here till I was twenty two and joined the military. And then we lived a bunch of places. And then we decided we went ahead and uh, come back.
0: And what branch of the military did you join?
1: Well, I was in the United States Coast Guard. Uh-huh. Which uh, you, you mentioned that in the Midwest, and everybody's like, "Is that like the you know the water version of the National Guard?" I mean, uh,
0: but I was no, no, it's actually an arm of the military. It's- yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was it was it was a good time, and I, I put in uh, seven years there—six well, years, nine months. I I'd signed up for six, and then had to extend to get the orders I wanted to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went all over the place, I was stationed in Maine, I was stationed in Georgia, and I was stationed in the Bay Area, California. Uh, but with my units, we deployed and we we went everywhere up and down the coast. So I got to see if it's American coastline, I got to see almost all of it.
0: Oh wow, that's cool. And then you uh, tra- uh, kind of transitioned into police work.
1: Yeah yeah, we we got out because like. My, my wife and I have a very strong marriage, but it's just, it's just, uh, wasn't really built for me to be gone for a month or two at a time. Some guys' marriages were, were better that way, but ours wasn't. Uh, so I got out and, um, I remember, I remember telling all my, my friends in my last unit, when I get out, I'm going to do anything but be a police officer. <laughs> um, because it was just yourself. kind of a natural, yeah, yeah. It was just kind of a natural flow. But when I, when I got out, I got out in the, uh, the summer of 2008 and, uh, when I was looking for a job back home, I had some time to just kind of sit around and relax, and so I read a book called Hollywood Station by Joseph Wambaugh, yeah, and uh, I highly recommend that book. Great book. And after reading that, I was like, you know what? Like, I just want to be a police officer. That's all I want to be. And so I landed at uh, the University of Kansas Medical Center Police Department, which is a couple city blocks worth of uh, facilities, and they need their own commissioned PD. Uh, it's it's in, a, it's in a rough part of town on the Kansas side. And, uh, we had the streets and everything else. And so we had, I mean, like just, you know, DUIs and, and, uh, you know, all the car wrecks and all the, you know, all the, all the crazy stuff that uh, the, the police and bad neighborhoods get. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Still doing that? No, no. Uh, no, I did that for six years. And, uh, and when I joined up, we had two children. Uh, and over the course of that six years, we had three more and my, my family just outgrew my paycheck. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like I, I, really wanted to kind of stay, but there was like it was kind of a smaller PD. We only had about thirty officers uh, at least while I was there, and um, there just wasn't a whole lot of upward mobility, and there was there was nowhere to kind of go outside of patrol. So there was no you know special units to to travel to if I wanted a break from just working you know the streets and, and the, the facilities. And the, mm-hmm. so after a while, just you know no improvement in the paycheck and, and no diversity in the in the workload. I was like ah oh, you know we'll look somewhere else. And so I, I used my GI bill from the military. I yeah. went to electrician school and I wound up, uh, actually becoming industrial maintenance in a factory. And, uh, so I've just kind of been doing that for the past five years, five and a half years, something like that. And it's been all right. That's good. Cause our family kept growing. We're up to seven kids now.
0: Yeah. I think I hear and, uh, some of them in the background, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. We, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I use the GI Bill too. So it's responsible for my undergraduate degree. It's a great, great benefit, uh, that they, that they have. Absolutely. Uh, but you, obviously your heart didn't completely leave the law enforcement crime related realm because a lot of your fiction, uh, is, is centered around that. And I guess I want to start with, uh, uh, you're pretty prolific, uh, short story author. You,
1: you know what I, I was, um, I, I don't remember what the last short story I wrote was to be honest with you now. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I had, I, I just punched out, um, a couple dozen over the course of over a few years and, and managed to land them in a lot of good sites like shotgun honey and out of the gutter and that kind of thing. And I, I sat down and when I got out of the military, I, I wanted to make kind of a plan because I wanted to be like a full-time author. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll build my brand, you know, and like, like how an unsigned band will kind of play a bunch of clubs and kind of get their name out there. Uh, I, I tried to do something similar. And uh, so I, like for a long time, my mind was really tuned to kind of just sitting there creating one scene that like you just introduce a reader right into, and then there's just like that gut punch. And then we just get out. Um, and that, that was just kind of my formula. And I could sit there and, and just see a situation. I think to myself, how could I, how could this really just go wrong? Uh, and then, and then get out of it. And so that was, uh, that That was just kind of how the, the short story stuff went.
0: Well, you've landed in a lot of a uh, very good company. Um, you know, you, you were in uh, my good friend, Eric Bietner's, uh unloaded anthology. And, and, uh, and the anthology for which I am absolutely the most envious, jealous, and otherwise hate everyone who got to be involved, and that is the Trouble in the Heartland uh, anthology that uh, yeah. Joe Clifford put out.
1: Yeah, yeah, the song is based on, uh, on uh, Bruce Springsteen's music, which was, to my knowledge, is the uh, that was the first one. Like I've seen a whole string of them out now, uh-huh. um, yeah. but yeah. to my knowledge, that was the first one. And that's, that started from a, a conversation between Joe Clifford and Chris Leak, who, who was in uh, Zilmer Pulp with me. Uh, you know, Chris Leak uh, was was another prolific short story writer, and and he was just a huge, huge fan of Bruce Springsteen, and named a lot of his short stories after Bruce Springsteen's song titles. And so he put out one, I forget if it was Shotgun, I think it was Shotgun Honey. And Joe had just Joe had just caught on because you know Joe's a big Springsteen fan also.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he caught on and mentioned it, and somehow that those two talking about it turned into um, uh, Pulp getting involved with and. For the your listeners who are not familiar, Zilmer Pulp was just a it was like a writer's band that I was in with uh, Brian Payne, which he was who has gone on to uh, to the to the Big Six, uh, Ryan Bull Mountain in the sequels, mm-hmm. uh, Isaac Kirkman, who has since passed away, so our, our prayers were with his family and whatnot, Chuck Regan, who did all of our cover work and then contributed a lot of like really excellent science fiction kind of stories, and then uh, you know Chris and myself, and eventually we got uh, Benoit Olivier, and so we we just sat down and said, yeah, hey, you know we're gonna uh, we like to start working on this anthology and we invited some friends in and joe uh, offered his services as editor and man that just that just kept moving i'm sorry frank if i would known you wanted him man, i would have i would have called <laughs> you right up
0: yeah i've been a massive uh, uh fan since i was about 10 years old like like all true springsteen fans uh i believe that uh, his music has been the soundtrack of my life you know and so uh oh yeah yeah, so I was I, when I had Joe Clifford on the show. I, I talked to him about it a bit. He said that thing filled up so fast. He said, uh, "Boy, if you if you weren't if you weren't there in five minutes, there is no room left."
1: That's absolutely true. Absolutely true.
0: And you you did which song did you base your story on?
1: Highway Patrolman.
0: Ah, uh, that's a story song for sure.
1: Yeah, you know I I, I um I, I'm more of a heavy metal guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, I knew who Brinkstein, Bruce Springsteen was, but uh, if he you, if you wasn't screaming into the microphone and breaking everything, like it just, you know, <laughs> in my formative years, it didn't really appeal to me. Uh, and so I actually asked the guys, you know, just give me a song recommendation. And so they said, hi, i patrolman. And uh, so I started listening to the entire Nebraska album, man. What a what a cool record. It's, mm-hmm. it's a cool story behind that whole record. And uh, so after listening to it, now, so this is before we had gotten, you know, we actually, Joe, had actually got in contact with with the Bruce Springsteen's people mm-hmm. uh, and we actually got permission to officially use his name on the cover and everything else and so my my original story after I thought I'd tie in Richard Dean Buckner my character with that and my story started off as, as almost a sequel to that uh, and you know but Springsteen's legal team asked us not to do those kinds of things and so I tweaked mine a little bit but yeah I really enjoyed it I thought it turned out pretty well
0: yeah, that whole, that whole, uh, anthology was awesome. There's some really heavy hitters in there and some really great stories. Uh, if you're a metal guy, you'd probably like songs like Adam raised a cane and stuff like that. There's some, there's some stuff that's a little closet metal, I think, in some of his catalog. Um, well, I could spend the entire episode talking about Springsteen and fiction, but uh, that's not what kind of show this is, and listeners would uh, be knocking on my door telling me to move on. So let's move on. To uh, y- you know, you-, you got into writing novels, and and uh, there's a couple I want to really focus on, um, but you did create a a series character. Yeah,
1: yeah, Richard Dean Buckner.
0: And just what's a th- thumbnail sketch of of who he is and and what that series is is like
1: so i I started writing uh, rdb and this is ridiculous but like before i knew like about like the genre of like hard-boiled fiction like i'd seen you know dirty harry and i just kind of wanted to take like you know my own take on that kind of guy that the guy that you know all the tropes that you know he smokes you know unfiltered cigarettes and drinks whiskey and beats everybody and uses a 44 magnum (laughs) uh and like the first book i wrote about him i was still in the military and it was actually uh richard dean buckner versus a uh uh, a resurrected demon and it was, it was a, it was a horror novel. And I just wanted to take a guy who was just, you know, bare knuckles uh, detective versus some kind of supernatural things, you know, that, that juxtaposition of their elements mm-hmm.
0: kind of mash it up.
1: And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was like that. I, I'd read a book, uh it's a, a collection of short stories of Sherlock Holmes in H.P. Lovecraft's world. Oh, and wow. uh, you know, some of them, some of them were, were killer. Uh, and I just, I wanted to do that in my own take. And uh, you yeah, know, but as is with, with most things like like I couldn't I couldn't move that book to save my life nobody wanted to touch it and so later on I decided to come back to him Uh, I wrote a couple other books that nobody touched and then uh decided to come back to him because I enjoyed enjoyed writing him uh but I thought I'd go ahead and make it just a you know a straight straight hard-boiled uh so RDB is just a he he was a a homicide detective in a fictional town I created called St. Ansgar and uh, uh there was an assassination attempt where they tried to ODM on a on a Killer new drug that had come through and it didn't kill him, but uh, it uh, made him with what, what he called unserviceable. He just used that word to describe himself, unserviceable for the PD. So,
0: good, good word,
1: yeah. Well, they, you know, so he he resigned, and so now he's just uh, he's just a, a PI who isn't constrained by the constitution anymore when he wants to uh, to figure out some things. And I just tried to make him this unstoppable force. He's just one of those guys, like, he's everybody. When they read the first book he was in called this The Subtle Art of Brutality, uh, they were they were shocked by how moral he was, like in his sense of justice and right and wrong and everything else. But how he was just completely willing to twist somebody's head off to to get the information that he wanted. So there was kind of confused by his moral state. And he is he is a very morally gray character. But I don't know, it just made sense to me, I guess. Uh he's the kind of guy that actually will stand on a body of of dead child to reach for that brass ring. Uh, when most people talk about those things, he does them. And uh, he was just a lot of fun to write because he was, he's very direct. He was very, uh, he was very archetypical, I guess, of just this, this iron man that uh, just really just wanted to, to fight crime.
0: How many books in that series now?
1: Uh, three in that series, three books. There's, there's no more short stories too, uh, but three novels.
0: And then uh, over the COVID summer, your uh, release together they were Crimson, which is a great title, uh, came out. And what's the what's the jacket copy on that? What uh, what could people expect if they pick that one up?
1: There, there's a uh, there's a female serial killer at large, uh, just known as Angel of Mercy, and she's uh, she feels like she's she is freeing uh, the, the frail and elderly uh, from their torment by killing them. And so, the main character's name is Norm, and uh, Norm's wife goes into the home of a, of a victim of the, uh, the Angel of Mercy while the Angel of Mercy is still there. And so uh, the Angel of Mercy is forced to kill Norm's wife. Uh, so, of course, that destroys his entire world. They had a large family. Uh, but it also uh, violates the Angel of Mercy's highly ritualized killings. You know, she did not want to kill Norm's wife. but She did. Uh, so they're both kind of thrown off. And so the book picks up where the Angel of Mercy recognizes that, uh, you know what, maybe I just need to go find this this guy, this Norm. And uh, offer an olive branch. And, uh, you know, he can get on with his life and, and I can get back to killing. And so uh, then it becomes like this, this cat and mouse game uh, between the two of them. Because he's, you know, obviously he's driven for revenge and everything else. And she she doesn't really understand that, I guess. Yeah, you know, um, But I, I, I love writing that book. As soon as I, as soon as I caught the, uh, as soon as I got steam for it. I had to fight through probably about 10,000 words to get, to get to it. But then I just couldn't stop writing that book and just fell in love with the main character, uh, with angel mercy, actually. She was, uh, but I never really written anything from, uh, from a sociopath's point of view like that. Uh, it seemed like it turned out. Okay.
0: Liberating, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there was a deeper moral quandary in, in that book that I wanted to explore, which I think was half of it. And that was that, uh, you know, just because she, she has done terrible things to people doesn't, you know, give Norm or anybody else the right to sit there and then do terrible things back to her. You know, mm-hmm. um, she still has intrinsic value as a human being, so we can't just peel her apart for days on end and say that we did something good. You know, at that point you become no better than the than the serial killer. And uh, so there's a struggle for that in there. And you know, Norm winds up um, having a conversation with this priest about that. Uh, which for me, that's like one of the big reasons why I wrote the entire book was for that one conversation. Um, uh, but it was just it was just a lot of fun, kind of. Uh, getting to that and kind of exploring that and then seeing how somebody who on the other side of that conversation would act, you know, when you when you still have this, this unstoppable serial killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, had a, I had a good time with
0: it. Yeah. I was fortunate to read a, a, a Vance review copy of that. And uh, for, for blurb purposes. And uh, what struck me about it was that, uh, uh, you, you know, you really re- had a good balance between a procedural and a thriller. And so, uh, you know, it kind of has that pacing and that kind of tension. Uh, So that certainly was appealing. So, which leads really nicely into your newest book. It's ugly because it's personal, which will be a first quarter release from down and out books. And I likewise been fortunate enough to see this one before it's out and you start this book with, well, let's just say it doesn't lack for action in the opening.
1: Uh, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks. Like like a couple of books that I've written now, a couple of full-length books I've written. I, I started off to write this one as a, as a novella because I figured I could just punch that out a little bit faster and just kind of keep my name out there. But as, as it went, there was just more story than what a uh, novella would have. And mm-hmm. this, this book is about a, a fictional town called uh, Carcassa. And uh, they're, it's, it's with their with their police and uh, a guy on uh, a midnight's officer pulls over a car, I think because they had their, their headlights off is just some innocuous reason. Uh, and that turns into a gunfight, which leads into um, a foot chase and a, and a car chase. And so it, it hit the ground uh, just with both feet running. And I just tried to drop the reader, you know, right into the, the moments before, um, you know, everything just kind of blows up in everybody's face. And then we'll just kind of go from there. But that, that book's, the simple purpose of that book was just for me to like, you know, when, when, the, when a police officer is shot, I mean, the investigative agencies, like they, they, they use all their resources to look for any, any shooter, for anybody that was shot. Um, but with the, with a, when a police officer is shot, I think I put in the, in the actual word of the book, there's, there's an injury to the brotherhood that day. Um, mm-hmm. and that's where the title comes from. It's, you know, it's ugly because it's personal. Um, and so I wanted to write about that pursuit, uh, in particular, uh, yeah, so that's that was kind of the impetus of the book,
0: and I don't want you to give away any spoilers. But uh, is this likely to be a standalone book, or could this be uh, uh, the start of a, a carcassa PD series?
1: You, you know, I, I have uh, I always wanted it to be a series, uh, and I actually had a couple of starts on uh, on sequels, uh, and I just I don't I don't know if I was just finding the right tone or or or, or what it was, but because uh, this one is very. This one's very singular, I think. Like I don't think that I could, you know, um, I could obviously use the same characters and everything for another book, but as far as the same kind of emotional grab, probably not. And so, uh, I've got a couple of stars that, to be honest with you, now that you know I put some time between it and and where I am now, I'm sure they actually probably read better than what they were reading at the time. But I like I know me, if Ryan starts to lose steam on some things, uh, it just it just uh. It just gets bad, and then and then it goes nowhere, and then like then I'm beating my head into the wall for a while. Um, so I just go, well, uh, you know, I'll put one aside for a while, but I I, I do want to come back to them. I'm, uh, I'm I'm finishing up on something right now that's actually is in the same world as these guys. That it's a it's a neighboring town, and, and I don't really have any cross pollination. Like the characters from the Carcosa don't show up in this book, but uh, you know I don't know. I, I haven't strayed too far, and that's mm-hmm. that's something new for me.
0: Uh, well, that was going to be my next question. So, do you want to tease that a little bit? What uh, you said something new? What? How, what can you say about it?
1: Well, uh, the thing I'm working on now, which isn't finished yet, but I am in the third act. Uh, so, it, like, I don't think I'm jinxing myself. It's it, it is it's about two two officers. There's a guy named uh, Joshua Marks who's in his fifties, and uh, he's recently widowed, and he's getting ready to retire. Uh, and he has uh, very clearly discerned that he's being called to the to the Catholic priesthood, uh, and he does not want to go. Because, you know, the way he looks at it is that uh, he was getting ready to retire. And he and his wife are going to go off and do all their, all their you know, retirement living. They're going to travel and a lot of other stuff. But instead of all that, you know, his his wife dies. And now he's getting called to a second career. And that's just kind of the interruption in his life that he doesn't want. And kind of his his ride-along partner is a cop named Bale Hammond, who is in his 30s. And he's a burnout. And so, you know, the, the tension then becomes between these two guys. And, uh, you know, the city's kind of starting to burn down around them a little bit. And so it kind of follows them as like, as, as, as the split occurs and, uh, what all, what all happens in there. And to be honest with you, I'm still in the third act. I've, I've got some bare bones notes stretched out, like, you know, maybe every third rib. And as I write, like I'll fill in the muscle and the rest of the bones and stuff. So I kind of don't know where it's going to go. Uh, but uh, it should be pretty good. I've, I've really enjoyed it. This one has taken a long time to breathe. And so I, I hope that the reader, when, they, when it gets around to him, will enjoy the language. Because when I started writing this, I started reading, um, which is another great book, if, if, if your readers haven't read it. It's called Blood Meridian by uh, Corinth McCarthy. And he's, mm-hmm. he's probably most well-known nowadays for Mommy? No Country for Old Men in uh, The Road. And, and that's how I was introduced to him. Uh, but after reading Blood Marie on, on a friend's recommendation, boy, I tell you, that book was gorgeous, and it was it was expansive. It was more of a uh, it was more of an experience than it was a novel. I didn't sit it down once or twice because I just uh, I just needed needed to take some time. But absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful book. And uh, after reading that, I was like, why Why do I write it all? You know. <laughs>
0: I have uh, uh I, I actually started that and put it down. I think I wasn't in a good place to read it. It's one of the only McCarthy books that I haven't read, so uh it sounds like I should uh, give it another try.
1: Well it's I mean like and it's it there's some spots I had to fight through there there were there were but I tell you what man uh holy cow uh it was a killer book.
0: Well, I will look into that and if you're drawing inspiration for that uh in the new book, uh I think you're right. it probably will be good. But the, uh, the latest book is It's Ugly Because It's Personal uh, by Ryan Sales out in the first quarter from uh, Down and Out Books. Um, and, hey, Ryan, I want to tell you, I'm glad we finally got together, and uh, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Oh, absolutely, Frank. yeah this has been a real pleasure. I, I appreciate you taking some time out to, to put me out there in the world.
0: All right, folks, there there. it is. Uh, you know, Ryan Sales, a cool guy, uh, you know, former cop. He writes with authority when it comes to the procedural elements, which is something I'm very critical of. I'll be honest with you when I read people's work. Not outwardly, I don't share my criticisms, but as a reader uh, who knows better sometimes, I'm, I'm critical. And uh, it's always a pleasure to read uh, a former law enforcement uh, author who who just gets all the facts right. I mean, Bruce Robert Coffin is a recent example of that. His uh, John Byron series is just absolutely stellar when it comes to the uh, nuts and bolts of the procedure, in addition to just being a well-written story and a great story. But uh, that, that extra piece really makes a difference uh, for me, and I think it does for other authors as well. And Ryan does that uh, here too, and, and, and uh, it's ugly because it's personal. Um, so uh, if you, if that's the kind of thing you like, uh, I hope you check it out. Uh, next episode on Wrong Place Right Crime, I'm very pleased to say, uh, will be a feature episode with... David Heska Wanbley Wyden. Uh, now, David has written the outstanding book, uh, Winter Counts. Uh, it's actually, has been nominated for an Edgar Award. And I met him at uh, BoucherCon in Dallas uh, in 2019. And uh, that's when I told him, hey, I want to get you on the show. And so, you know, these things take a while sometimes. Uh, But we had a great conversation. He really shared a lot uh, about his book and about the uh, backdrop that it's set against. And uh, we talked about some heavy subjects and we talked about some craft, and I I think you'll enjoy it. So that's next episode on Wrong Place or Right Crime, David Heska-Wanblee Wyden. I want to say thanks to Ryan for coming on the show, uh, to Down Out Books for sponsoring, and as always, to you, the listener, for uh, giving this author some of your time. Uh, if you like gritty procedurals and uh, filled with action, then uh, give Ryan's work a, a try. And um, we'll see you here next episode with David Hesco wanbley Wyden. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime.